for another episode of El Gato the Podcast. I'm Abdullah. I'm Tom. And uh, you want to start? You want to start us off with this uh, um, amazing news story that you found for us? So yeah, um, this I'm reading this from the BBC News website. So give you an idea what happened here. Um, Chicken Chaos. This is just the title for, on the website page. Chicken Chaos as KFC close outlets. KFC has closed more than half of its 900 UK outlets after delivery problems meant they ran out of chicken. So over so there's 900 KFC outlets so that's roughly was about 600 so about over 600 no three yeah that's a lot of outlets got closed down because they ran out of chicken it's the great it's the great chicken drought of 2018 it's it's popeye chicken's disaster all over again you remember (laughs) that back five years ago when the fox did a news article about this when oh i remember that the the chicken drought of 2009 Yeah, almost 10 years later, and it has to happen to the UK. Wow. We ran out of chicken. How can you run out of chicken? I don't know. So, yeah, I was speaking to was it my stepdad about this and a few work colleagues of mine, and uh, apparently, what is it, um, KFC, um, this is what, um, it's okay, this is what it says on the article. It was unclear um, when the delivery problems would be um, rectified. So they've got no idea when this is going to be rectified, a KFC spokesperson said. Workers are being escal- um, encouraged to take holiday but would not be forced to do so, he added. So basically, they're trying to encourage all the employees to take the holiday leave now while this is going on. And a lot of the employees say, no, we don't want to take holiday leave because we want to use that for our holiday. Yeah, they're li- and, and it's kind of it's shitty because if you work in if you've ever worked in fast food you know how fucking terrible the pay is and you have to make every day count because if you don't if you skip even one day you ain't gonna get paid yeah there is no so uh, there is no uh, there is no bonuses shall we say for fast food workers no god no and i've never worked in fast food but i got i've had friends who have and they've told me it sucks it's not the nicest place to work um, so this is what it says on the website. Our teams are working flat out all hours to, to get the best back, um, to get the rest back up and running as soon as possible. But it's too early to say how long it will take to um, clear the backlog. So essentially what's happened here is that here in the UK, um, the way KFC works here in the UK, um, KFC is more of a franchise here in the UK. So essentially if there's like a chicken shop somewhere, let's say there's a takeaway place that, that primarily specialises in chicken. KFC can approach them and saying do you want the changes into a kfc um um franchise so basically we be your provider we give you all the food but you have to change your we change your advertising kfc you have to sell nothing but kfc products so they're basically like the mafia It's like that episode of the South Park when um, when Cartman becomes Al Capone and um, it's all about KFC franchise. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah. Um, it, so that was happened, and um, so yeah, it said uh, reading out from the rest of the article here. Um, it said that the restaurants own the chain staff on a short term contracts would be paid on the average hours worked per day over the past twelve weeks, whilst these on um, say um, sellables would be paid as normal. So basically, they're saying they're going to keep paying it when it's normal. However, 80% of KFC outlets are run on a franchise basis, which I just mentioned right now. So they're all, they're all franchise. Basically, 8% here in the UK are not. I think this is what the article getting at. 8% here in the UK is franchise. So KFC doesn't officially own them, but essentially they franchise them out. 
essentially. And franchisees um, will be seeking their own independent advice, but will be encouraged them to adopt this policy too. And so again, and when you look on the website, um, on the article itself, um, there's this picture here, which someone took on Twitter saying, sorry, we're closed. We deliver our chicken fresh into restaurants, but we have a few hiccups when the delivery today. We wouldn't want to open without offering our full menu, but we will be back back as the fryers, back at the fryers as soon as we can. Apologize, apologize for any inconvenience, KFC. I think that that's a goddamn lie because their shit ain't fucking fresh. If you if you've yeah. ever eaten at a if you've ever eaten at a KFC, you goddamn well know their chicken ain't fucking fresh. And it's the most greasiest stuff that you can find on the planet. Um, so yeah, um, it's quite a funny news story, isn't this? How do you feel about this? Well, I mean, I would never be caught dead eating at a KFC for one, and I always, I, I always, I, I have no love for this particular fast food brand. Then again, yeah. you know, I, I mean, I'm not against fast food. I mean, I understand like why people eat it. I mean, it's a sometimes food, not an every time food, and that's fine. But like, I, I don't understand the appeal of like going there every single weekend or whatever and just eating cheap. Like, you can yeah. be doing a lot better eating cheap and paying for overpriced food. Essentially, that's that's pretty much what KFC is, and most fast food restaurants are now these days. That's that's pretty much how, how it works. And I I just think it's bloody hilarious. I, I'm just thinking to myself, who on earth got fired for this? Seriously, someone must have been fired for this. Oh, I can imagine the the head of, the head of uh, the UK division was um, got his. He, they probably should have been fired by now if they have not by the time yeah. of this recording. They probably have, but yeah, um, there's more to this article. You want me to keep reading what's on this article? Oh, God, it gets worse. <laughs> yeah, it gets worse, yeah. Okay. Until last Thursday, KFC's um, chicken was delivered by South Africa-owned company distribution group um, Bid um, Bidvest, which distributed itself as the leading supplier of logistic supplies chain solutions to the United um, to UK hospitality and restaurant sector. But after the chain in the contract, many of the food's um, giant outlets began running out of chicken products, which I've just mentioned, basically, they couldn't keep up with supply and demand this new outlet they got, which is the um, Bidvest one which apparently supply a bunch of hospitality and other restaurants to tour around the UK country. And keep in mind, they're based in South Africa. Just just want to make that clear. Um, teething problems. The chicken across the road, just, um, this is what it says on the thing on Twitter. This is what KFC said. Um, the chicken across the road, not just to our restaurants, KFC said on Twitter, we brought a new delivery partner aboard but they had a couple of teething problems, and I want to say teething problem in quotation marks. Um, getting fresh chicken out to 900 restaurants across the country is pretty complex. It added, apologizing to customers for the inconvenience. Um, we won't um, co um, compromise um, comprise on quantity, so no negligence has met some of our restaurants are closed, and others are operating limited menu or shorter hours. The statement listed by KFC restaurants that were still open dispute, um, dispute um, displayed um, the problems. So, so what happened was um, 
the distribution network uses software development by the quick standard logistic QCS. Um, so this was the conversation that what went on with between um, some of the body party and what some of the care people KFC had to say to people to try to get them back, them back on their side. Um, DHL said, due to the operation issues, a number of deliveries in recent days have been incomplete or delayed. We are working with our partners, KFC and QSL, to rectify the situation as a priority and apologize for any inconvenience. Um, the GBN union said that it has tried to warn KFC that switching from Bidvifts to DL, um, DHL was a mistake. The change led to 255 jobs loss and closure of um, Bidvest um, Deport and uh, Mick, Rick, and DMB National Officer. So DMB, for those who don't know, they're one of the largest um, UK unions that you can get here in the UK, um, unionise, help people um, in those different sectors. So what they done, they basically, they pretty much went to KFC, said, look, you realise switching to switching needs your partner will cause a lot of jobs to be lost. So they lost a lot of jobs. KFC thought they can be making some more profit because they can cut cut people's jobs, blah, blah, blah. And this is what's happened. You cut over 255 jobs, and this happens. <laughs> you know, it, it is hilarious. So this is what it says further on. He said, um, Bidvestor specializes a food um, distribution firm with years of experience. DHL are scratching around for any work that they can and undercut undercut them. KFC are left with hundreds of restaurants closed while um, DHL try and run the whole operation out of one distribution center. So keep this in mind, it's that when you come to distribution area, when you want to dispute food out and stuff like that, I did work experience working at one of Tesco's um, distribution plants, which specialized in with apples and pears. That's not their only plant. That's not their only center that does this. You have multiple distribution areas for different companies all around the world. So the company KFC jumped to only has one here in the UK. So all their chicken comes from one place. How much of a how much of a headache must that be? Imagine that that you're boss of a company, and if you run out of stuff in your store, you have to call up the distributor, which is like I don't know, like four hours away. Remember that um, commercial, that parody commercial in RoboCop 2 with the guy at the office and everything is going crazy and he doesn't yes. know what to do and then he just blows his brains out? Yep. That's KFC right now. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, it, it gets worse. It gets worse. Oh, I, I'm <laughs> okay. looking at this right now and Jesus Christ. Uh, one of the KFC customers, um, Charlie, told... Um, told BBC Radio 5 Live she was was surprised when she went out with her friend at, at the weekend and this I quote this what she said we went went on um, Saturday night to our local KFC in Luton and acquired about 20 minutes in the drive through about 15 cars in the queue and when we got to the actual counter and asked for our standard family bucket we were told there was no chicken she said the kids who are nine-year-old twins, they wanted chicken, and they clearly 
and it and clear it wasn't available. So we said there's nothing available that we wanted, and we then had the joy of queuing to get to get back out. Other um, discussing KFC customers have been taken to Twitter to express their um, dismay at the uh, short um, at the shortcomings of KFC. Okay, this is one. This is one of them. I'm going to read out. Do you know when local KFC stores will reopen? Had dinner planned, but shut shut at the moment. <laughs> and I want my fix of chicken. So KFC have run out of chicken. This is how the apocalypse starts. Angry face. <laughs> oh my god! It, 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 this is mind blowing. This is just. This is fucking hilarious. I know, and it's just um, <clears throat> I I don't I don't even know what to say. Like, well, what can you say that I mean? It's pretty much like you you know that like when comedians talk about there's like a, a thin line between parody and and um <clears throat> and, and and satire. Yeah, I think we just crossed that. <laughs> we just crossed. So basically, this should, this should only be something that should happen in satire, but it's happening in real life. Yeah. Oh my god, I can't wait for the parody stuff to happen here in the UK because all around the world it's going to be amazing. Look, if, just... if if Charlie Brooker ever does a 2018 wipe, he has to do a segment on this because holy fuck. This is amazing. <laughs> it's just. Um... I, I don't like how. I mean. You're, you're a major fast food conglomerate, right? And. And you outsource your your um, your deliveries to a third party, a third party based in South Africa, of all places. Yeah. And you, and, and you thought that this w- wouldn't wouldn't be a massive fuck up. Yeah. <laughs> and and it's just, and it's just in the UK. I mean, because like in the US and and the other parts of the world, they get their chicken from other places, but. But only in the UK, apparently, that they think that this was a good idea to outsource the the supply, um, the 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 what would they call it, the supply, um, the, the supply line to to a third yeah. party company. Oh my god, this is amazing! I'm on the KFC website at the moment, and um, basically, they have to do a whole entire page. They, literally, you go on the homepage, KFC.co.uk. The first thing you will see the chicken. Crossed the row, not just to our restaurant. So basically, they tell you which restaurants are still open, which ones are officially closed. I just, t- I just, I just love the fact that you can actually now go and if you're in the UK, you can actually go into a KFC that's opened and actually order anything but chicken. I think that's like the most surreal experience of all time. Yeah. Oh my god. I... Again, this is we mentioned this once already, but this is like Popeye's um, chicken drought of '09. What was it? '09 or '08? Yeah, oh no, '09. When when, yeah. when like a local Popeye's in Atlanta like ran out of chicken one day and everyone just like lost their fucking minds. But this one, basically, about roughly around about 900 restaurants have run out of chicken. Oh my! God. It is fascinating. I I just find this bloody hilarious. I, and do they have Popeyes in the UK? Or, or no, we we don't have Popeyes. No, we um, have. If they did, they'd be fucking dancing right about now. Yeah, 
So, I mean, chicken, uh, for chicken-wise, KFC got, got the grip on the whole entire franchise here in the... This is what I mean. This is what I mean by basically here in the UK, KFC is more of a franchise. So you get more independent chicken places and stuff like that. And then if KFC want to have a KFC there, they franchise it out to that area. Oh, that, that's, that's horrible because... Um... Yeah. Because uh, that means like there, there's no fresh chicken anywhere. That's the case. Well, give you an idea. They franchise eight percent of their KFCs out in the U- in the UK. So about twenty percent of them are actually owned by KFC. Wow. <laughs> all those all those businesses that got uh, bought out by KFC and lost um, lost their identity are lost now their closed. Identity and, and also lost money as well. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh my it's funny it's you know what i i mean how bad last year was compared to with, with the fuck ups we're gonna, we're gonna expect this year this has, has to be one of the funniest ones this has to be the funniest one so far i mean it really is like walmart when you think about it like they come in and they like shut down all the mom and pop stores and just like make their own a brand, uh, the number one brand, uh, and honestly, you kind of deserve what uh, this kind of shit because I don't like it. I don't like it when um, when big brands come in and and muscle in on, muscle in on the mom and pop stores. Yeah, well, that's pretty pretty much all we can say about it. That's pretty much what's what's happened, and yeah, that they're, they're going to be like this for quite a while until they get their stupiding stuff sorted out, and I don't think they're going to sort it out anytime soon. Especially considering, like, it's... Uh, especially considering, like, all the other branches don't seem to care. No, of course not, no. I mean, I mean we're basically just sitting here just laughing our asses at the moment, because basically people be like, oh my god, I want my KFC, and I'm like, eh, can't. <laughs> Where's my chicken? Where's my chicken? Yeah. <sighs> Good times. It's just, it's so surreal. Like, I don't even know what's parody and what's satire anymore. Oh, my God. I, I just find it funny that basically they classify this under the business section on the BBC website, news There's website. Business, yeah, sure. Business. <laughs> Business, okay. Yep. It's like calling McDonald's a restaurant. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, McDonald's, yeah. Yeah. (laughs) I've got nothing to say about them. Well, nothing nice anyway, but yeah. Name name a fast food chain that you, that anyone actually has anything nice to say about, and you'll be hard pressed to find one. Oh god, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I'm sorry yeah. if I I'm sorry if I don't have much to say. It's just such a surreal story. Such a yeah. surreal story. Like I said, if anyone's listening to this, go out. Just read the articles that you can find in the UK at the moment. There's like the one on the one on the BBC we we read out. I know Guardian's written one. Every single news outlet wrote wrote something on this, and every single one is hilarious. Or visit the KFC website at the moment because that is hilarious. With the statement they put up again, this isn't sponsored by KFC. We're just talking about it because it's fucking hilarious. Don't panic, but KFC just ran out of chicken. <laughs> <laughs> 
don't. Oh my. Oh god, I, I want to see that meme now. Where basically, when Gromit, uh, when when Wallace is basically say, Gromit, there's no cheese, and basically, if instead it's a KFC bucket and empty, <laughs> say, Gromit, there's no chicken. <laughs> I want to see that now. That'd be amazing. <laughs> and then they, uh, they, so, they, sorry, they, Wallace. I don't like uh, chicken. And then he's like, "Oh, you you don't like chicken?" <laughs> Just... <laughs> oh god! And he's built a rocket to go to go to a planet that's filled with KFC chicken. I want to see this now. Weirdly, I really want to see this now. <laughs> oh god. Uh, good on you, sir, for um, working in that Wallace and Gromit reference. <laughs> no problem. <laughs> no problem. Good on you, sir. Um. Anyway, KFC. <laughs> yeah. Um. Speaking of like um surreal shit, um, news broke out a couple of days ago that um. Uh, Power Rangers is a new home, toy line wise, and that is Hasbro. And Has- it's like, ha- Hasbro- how long they been with yeah, Hasbro-, Hasbro now owns all the rights to. Well, they don't own the rights, so they 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 get the rights to uh, to to the license in 2019. But uh, for those that have that do collect Power Rangers toys, know that they have always been developed by Bandai in in the U.S. and the and Japan, and apparently. Um, all the distribution for the U.S. is going to go to Hasbro now. So what does this mean exactly? Does all the toys that have previously been made, because I know they've been doing the Power Ranger Legacy line with the Mighty Morphin stuff, and they just released, what is it, the um, In Space and the Turbo stuff as well? So what does that mean? Does all that stuff transfer over to Hasbro, or does that mean Hasbro have to start from scratch and make all their own original well, toys? Well, it, it depends on what they want to do with it. I mean, they can continue the legacy line and just like uh, add in like their name on it, like they did with Marvel Legends when they t- when they got the license to that. Yeah, because I think they'd be crazy not to cancel that line because just because um, every time I go to comic convention, they always sell them, and every single time I go to them, they always sell. They always sell them, and they. And people go up to them and always request it, and they always people always buy them. You because know, that's the only line that that's uh, aimed at collectors. Yeah, and you're a collector yourself, so you've got more of an input on this. So, how would this affect affect the whole Power Ranger line then? Because how, how I mean, they... I mean, honestly, this is good for them because they kind of need Hasbro because Hasbro kind of has more of a reach uh, outside, uh, you know, outside more, more uh, global markets because. Um, yeah. You know, they know how to market their stuff like Transformers, My Little Pony, and all that other shit. Yeah. Um, I, I, but but Bandai, again, is has, has the better quality, you know? So, yeah. you know, and, and Hasbro's notorious, fucking notorious for um, cheaping out on, on, on the recent um, releases. Like, the plastic quality in Hasbro products is just getting worse and worse, and... Ah... Uh, yeah, I, I mean, Bandai isn't isn't like super. Um, they're not like super. Um, do, I mean, their quality isn't like super amazing, but it's much better than Hasbro's. But knowing that yeah. that uh, the production is gonna go to Hasbro, they're gonna cut corners and it's gonna affect the line one way or another. Yeah, 
So um, with with Hasbro, they're one of the biggest toy companies, like you said. Like their own stuff, like was it um, Play-Doh, Furby, GI Joe, My Little Pony, you mentioned as well. And don't they do the WWE toys as well? No, that's Mattel. That's Mattel. Okay, my bad. But they do do Star Wars, don't they? Yeah, they own Star Wars. <laughs> yeah, own Star Wars, and now they own Power Rangers. But <sighs> and Marvel. Is this... Yeah, the Marvel toys as well. For God, yeah, that's a bit, that's a huge market within itself because they own the Spider-Man toy rights as well, and that's that has been proven time and time again. Spider-Man dwarfs, was it? They worked out it dwarfs combined together. It dwarfs Avengers, Batman, and Superman toy rights all together. The only two, the only two Marvel properties that sell really well in toy form are Spider-Man and X-Men. Everything yeah. else doesn't sell as much. <laughs> no. Yeah, and Spider Man is one of the biggest toy sellers out there. It, also, I think notice is. how notice how most of the uh, Marvel Legends stuff is always X Men characters. <laughs> Wonder why that is. <laughs> yeah, but this uh, it is it is insane when you look at this. It's um, they own so much of these different properties, and I think it's good that they've gone to to them. But at the same time, I feel like. End of an era. End of an era, because how was it? They've been with that original company since its incarnation, toy-wise. Is, is that? Is, I'm, yeah, I'm really yeah. I mean, because because Bandai, I I, I don't know what's going to happen with Japan, because um, Bandai is a Japanese company, and I I, I don't know how well they're going to handle like um, not distributing the the toys in in, in the U.S. And, and losing that market. So. You know, <laughs> it's it's insane. It's really insane yeah. when you think about it because um, you know, J- J- Jap- Japanese um, Japanese um, uh, uh, companies aren't allowed to. They don't usually like go to the for the global markets. They usually just sell in Japan, and they just like yeah. most of their stuff is imported. That's why it costs so much. That's why most um, most Japanese uh, companies like Max Factory and. And Good Smile yeah. Company and and um, yeah. and and all those other and Takara, all those all those cost so much because they're all imports. Yeah, was it because I know was it um, Bandai has a good presence here within the UK. They have they've had a presence in the UK since I would say like the early eighties. I would say and some I mean, of the th- stuff. It's not just yeah. it's not just um, Power Rangers. They had they also did like Digimon and and Ben Ten. Yeah, and, and the um, Thundercats line. Yeah, didn't they do Gundam as well? Yeah, they do Gundam. Yeah, <laughs> also, and Pac-Man as well. Yeah, because they're they essentially they're. Yeah. Well, how does that actually work? Because do Bandai own Namco now, or because they call it Bandai Namco? Yeah, or... yeah, it's 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 one company. Okay, fair enough. Because what's it? Because I know was it they have quite a big presence in the UK. Like you can go to Amazon.co.uk, you can go to Argos, Asda, Disney Store, um, Entertainer, Toys R Us, Tesco, Smiths, so on, etc. Tesco's Toy Master in the UK, and you can find the toys in there. Again, I'm not I'm not the toy person. I know out of us, you you're the toy slash collector guy, so you would know more about this. Yeah, I mean they 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 I mean they're not like I mean they're out of all the Japanese companies like I've mentioned they're the biggest ones that have actually gone out and and tried worldwide distribution and and got their hands on Western properties to distribute their toys, you know, from Western properties. Yeah. So let's let, let's 
do a little look i feel let's do a little role playing here um let's just say you're hasbro you're you're the entity of hasbro you're you're the figurehead basically you you're the guy in charge okay and you just and you just gain the power ranger rights what would you say would be the first thing that you feel they should do or you should do with the power ranger rights well, I mean, like keep keep the legacy line, I think, because that's the biggest seller, and just get rid of everything else. Just get rid of everything else, um, such such as what 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 the other stuff would you say? You should I mean, get rid of? I mean, keep keep the stuff like with of the new series, because like there's there's a new series, and and there's a toy line for that. I mean, keep that, but get rid of like all the other stuff that's not selling. Okay. Which that's isn't cool. much, really, because outside of Legacy Line and, and, and the new series, that's all the, the Power Rangers toy, toy line is. It's just the Legacy the legacy, um, the legacy Line and, and the new series line. And that's it. Okay. Yeah, because... It, I mean, because the movie line fucking did not sell at all. Yeah. Uh, how do you think this is going to have a knock-on effect to... Power Rangers in multiple different medium fashions in like let's say for instance one of their biggest presents outside of television is comic books how do you think that's going to have a knock on effect because you know Hasbro got their whole toy universe at the moment in the comic books would you think Power Rangers might no, cross they over don't that? Own, they just own the, t- the toy rights they don't own but, any of the but do you think Hasbro might push for that maybe I, I don't know I, 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 don't, I don't maybe because uh, no, they actually can't because Lionsgate owns uh, Nickelodeon owns all the rights to, to to um, to to um, Power Rangers, and it's still Saban. Yeah. So yeah, Saban. So it would have to be down to Saban to decide where the comic book rights will go. Then yeah, and and they and they're just they put they put them on with Boom, with Boom Studios because they know Boom is like not a big publisher name, and they can you know. And if it gets canceled or underperforms, then they can just say, "Oh, well, it's a, it's a smaller company. It doesn't really hurt us." I mean, but it's still an interesting thought to go around when you the possibilities that can happen because of this. Now, that's the thing. But that's the thing. Um, Hasbro doesn't act. Uh, the, Hasbro doesn't isn't going to do to do anything with with the, with the, with the with a license outside of uh, toys. Outside of that, they have no other no no say on the property. Yeah, but I can imagine they might have a influence on some some stuff that might go on with Power Rangers, though. I would imagine they would do a a line exclusives. Um, they would they would do like comic book based uh, toys. Yeah, I can see that based on the um, comic book versions of the Rangers that are coming out in the new. Comic. Yeah, because yeah, because didn't they do was it an evil White Ranger Tommy recently from another universe? And I know I, I, they did. I did like the fact that they actually got Jason David Frank to do like a voiceover trailer for that. That was good, actually. That was really good. <laughs> I thought that was quite well done, actually. And he seemed to be he seemed to be really digging it as well. And the fans, well, they again they just go to show those comics are selling and people are seeing. Was it they're doing a big massive crossover with all the different Power Ranger properties in one comic book, aren't they? This this yeah, summer, yeah, aren't they? Yeah, and, and it's kind of sad that that's the only way you can actually see that in comic book format. <laughs> well, again, the last one they did in was it Megaforce, and it was really really bad from what I've heard. Oh, uh, j- j- ignore all the Nickelodeon series. The Nickelodeon stuff is terrible. That's what I've been told, yeah. That's that's what I've heard. I, I've, I've seen some episodes of um, Ninja Steel, and I thought that was okay. But apart from that, because, again, um, the only time when I get to see these new episodes is that um, 
we have a friendly friend of ours and uh, sometimes my mum's like okay i'm gonna look after him and stuff like that. and then she said okay i'm going out for a little bit tom can you keep buying him for a little bit and he normally says to me can i watch power rangers on netflix i'm like yeah fine and i said which one you want to watch and he likes ninja storm and no not ninja storm um samurai i think it's called and uh, and I've seen those, and from what I saw from those, I'm like, oh my god, this is so bad. The only bits I actually enjoyed from them was when they had, um, oh, what's his, um, the guy who played Bulk on it. Oh, he, I, I love you. You noticed that he was just shoved in there for fan service, right? Like his oh, his, his plot, his his plot point with Skull with Skull's son has nothing to do with anything. It feels like they added that after, it was an afterthought, basically it's like, well, well, we want to get more views and let's add, let's bring an old veteran back from the original show and they brought back um, Bulk. Um, I cannot remember the actor's name. Is it Jason? Who? Um, the guy who plays Bulk. I cannot I, remember I, 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 don't, I don't know the dude's <laughs> name. <laughs> yeah. I've, I've, I've actually met the actors. Yeah, you've played. met him, so you, you would probably know his name. I, I, yeah, that's what I mean. I feel really, really bad about it now. It was actually, they were really, really friendly. I actually got to interview them because it was quite funny because a lot of the people um, at the convention center, basically, even though you had press passes, they say, no, no, you can't interview them. And basically, I went up to him and I went, it's all right, I can interview you. Cause, and he said, and he said, oh, why are you asking that way? Well, the woman said, said there and said no. He went, oh, really? And he went, fuck it. Turn the camera on and we start talking. <laughs> uh, uh, Paul, uh, Paul Shearer. That's his name, yeah, Paul and Joe. Yeah, the cool, uh, got a funny. I've uh, got kind of a funny story here because um, the guy who plays Skull, um, he, for those who don't know, listen to this. He's a university professor that does drama, so he teaches people drama at university level. So I remember when I was speaking to my mate, and like me and my other friend, we both know the actors quite well, and we know well from what we heard from social media and what we've heard from previous interviews. And he said, he said to us, "Oh no, no, it's this this guy's the guy teaching." I went, "No, no, no, it's the other guy." He went, "No, no, no, I'm definitely sure." And we both just stood there. We went, "Fine, okay, whatever you say." And he said it during the interview. I went, "Oh my god!" And then basically the guy who played both went, "No, that isn't me. That's him." <laughs> And I'm like, oh my god, that's so embarrassing. And basically, they they they, they, they took fun of it. You 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 know, they they took the piss out of him from it. You know, and I thought it was funny. Um, yeah, you Google his name, Jason uh, Jason Nervy, and the first thing that pops up is Jason Nervy PhD. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And we knew this, and it was like one of those scenes when we were like, oh my god, he got it wrong. And and you can hear me and my friend basically in the background behind the camera saying, "Told you." Yeah, because that's because he because he um he had to stop doing the show at one po- at one point to continue to finish his studying and and you know get I, his college degree. I think that was in Lost Galaxy because he turned yeah. up for like the very first episode, and the joke was he he overslept, so he missed the rock. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I remember. Yeah, I mean, out out of all of them, they they've aged like pretty well, you know. I would say. Yeah, well, they're not. I mean, they didn't age as badly. There's no um, dig towards the actor, but Jason, um, Austin Jason, I think his name is. Oh, God. <laughs> you know? I'm not, I'm not saying he's aged bad, bad, but um, he's the one you can tell. It's like, when you look at him, you're like, okay, now I feel old. I mean, I will, I will give, um, what's his face, uh, Tommy, Jason David Frank, a lot of credit for staying in shape at Despite being in his forties, yeah, like he and looks um, great Amy, for a forty-year-old. 
Yeah, and um, Amy Jo Johnson still looks really good as well. So. Yeah. <laughs> oh, the, the, did you see a video recently that him and um, Jason, um, him, her and Jason did at a convention when he basically encouraged her to do a karate chop through a plank of wood? Yeah, I saw that. That was actually pretty that sweet. Was... <laughs> Yeah, that was quite funny. <laughs> and it's funny, funny after which she was like, "Oh my god!" And instantly, like, "How?" Because a lot of people don't know this. Um, Jason David Frank is a legit martial artist and an MMA um, and MMA fighter. Yeah. So he is. Get, um, he knows he, that shit. <laughs> yeah, I mean, just look, look up his dojo. He actually got a jodo, and he actually does teach lessons. And he got people who do teach his lessons in his classes. Yeah, he's a pretty cool dude. Yeah. <laughs> so I mean, if you if you if you're at a convention and he's and he's there, you know, say hi. <laughs> he's he's a really nice dude. I got my fit, picture with him somewhere, actually. <laughs> he's a pretty cool dude. <laughs> yeah. He's pretty cool indeed. Um, but yeah, I think um, well, we'll wait and see what Hasbro does with the toy rights for Power Rangers. Oh god, yeah. I hopefully he's good. <laughs> Anyway, going on to another nerd property. Um, remember last week when we talked about The Incredibles 2? Oh, yeah, we were, we were saying, oh, we got, I want to see a trailer. Where the hell is the trailer coming out for it? Boom, two days later. And it was actually, it looks okay. <laughs> it looks decent. I, I really enjoyed it. I love the fact that it takes the opening of the trailer literally straight after when the first Incredibles left off. I mean, I will, no. I will say it's kind of surreal as fuck seeing all the character designs and all the, um, with all the updated animation. It looks yeah. really uncanny valley. <laughs> oh, God, yeah. It looks really uncanny valley, but I think it it has that charm to it, which I love from oh, the previous oh, film. It's still got the charm. Fucking, I will say this about Pixar. They know how to add detail on everything. Every single thing. Look, look at like if you if you go and look up like screen caps of um of anything from the trailer, you will see a lot of fucking detail that wasn't there like twenty twenty years ago, or like fifteen years ago, when the first Incredibles movie came out. Because I remember, because I remember, because I remember back in the first back in two thousand four, like they said the hardest thing to to animate for for them was hair, and now yeah. it's nothing. Yeah, I mean, because I saw Coco recently as well, and the animation in Coco, they, I think they, from watching Coco, I was like, yep, they finally cracked water, and I'm like, I thought we'd never say that in my life when see an animation company get water done right. Yeah, I know, because water's always been one of the. I mean, well, they got water right in in Finding Nemo, but like watching that now, it's kind of. <laughs> yeah, but again, with Nemo, they were always under the water, but not above the water. If you know what I mean, you know. Well, it was still a pain in the ass because I remember watching the behind-the-scenes oh, stuff for for the on the DVD for that, and they said it took them like production began on in 1999 for that, yeah. and it didn't end until like two, 2002. <laughs> yeah, because was it? They they said was it? They said that when they first started animating that film, they um, made it too photo real. Yeah, so that they, was they, a they, knocked, they had to knock it down a notch, and. Um, the other thing which I thought was quite quite incredible about the trailer, see what I did there, um, it's very topical. 
very topical with basically saying that, oh, we need elastic girl sort of thing. We need the female superpowers and stuff <laughs> like that. We need the... And then, then Bob's the stay-at-home dad. I'm like, oh, my God, this is very topical, what's going on in the media at the moment with the Harvey Weinstein stuff and everything like that. Very topical. I, 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 don't, I don't think that, that, they, that they intended it to be that because I'm pretty sure this was written way back before any of this stuff was a thing. I know, but still at the same time, I'm like, wow, okay. I mean, I, I kind of, I mean, I, I mean, I'm hoping that, 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 um, I'm hoping like this is like a big bathe and switch type of thing where you think that this is like, this is like the basic story, but when you actually see the movie, you actually get like the, oh, the big reveal and oh shit, this is like what the actual story is. Cause if yeah. you remember for the trailers for the first movie, it was Vegas shit is what it was about. <laughs> Yeah. You didn't know what the first movie was about, but then when you watch it, you're like, oh, okay. That's what it's about. Yeah. So from what I gather from the trailer, basically they're still saying, what's it, superheroes are still outlawed, even though they stopped um, Syndrome and stuff like that. I, uh, I don't think they're outlawed. I think they're just like they, their public image is still kind of shit. Yeah. And they still want to do the superhero stuff. And I'm guessing uh, when the Underminder comes up um that essentially is going to be the whole opening sequence and stuff like that and um i think something's going to happen during that sequence that is going to um discredit uh mr incredible and the reason why they end up was saying oh no we need last to go instead instead of mr incredible i think it's it's kind of it's i i mean i know a lot of people are complaining about the plot but i think it kind of makes more sense because when you think about it the first movie was about Bob, Bob's character and and his growth and and his um, and his entire ex, ex, acceptance that um, you know he's getting older but he can still do what he loves doing and you know he has to let his family in he can't like keep pushing them away and keeping it a secret from them and all this other shit and 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 I think his character arc is done, but I think here it makes more sense for him to actually you know be a father for once instead of just you know being a superhero because if you if you go back and watch the original movie he is not really that he does not really like suburban life at all no, <laughs> he, he basically, he's always trying to stick it to the man at some point as well literally he throws the man through the wall you know i still think the darkest joke in that entire movie is like when he saves that guy and you find out oh he didn't want to be saved he was actually committing suicide yeah oh my god yeah and he's suing him for what is it permanent body harm and stuff like that you're like oh my god and then he wins the court case i'm like oh my god i i mean but i think it makes more sense for helen to to, to get development because i think um you know you kind of you it, it, it yeah i mean he is like uh, brad bird is switching the roles this time around where it's like oh it's helen now is gonna be to be be you know the one who's you know who's gonna you know give up being a mom to to um <sighs> to be a superhero and whatnot and then you're gonna have uh comedy with um with bob and the kids and i'm fine with that <laughs> you know i i don't think it's there's any political agenda like a lot of people are thinking about it i'm like you know i i don't think that there's anything wrong with with um with bob wanting to be a good dad for once i think that we need fucking more movies about wanting to be a good father now now more than ever yeah and um I mean, the humor seems to be on point. Like, I was laughing. I was laughing so hard when um, 
when they did the thing with Jack Jack and every single time when when um, he's talking to um, Samuel Jackson character Frozone, I think it is. Yeah, Frozone. And basically he's saying, what's wrong with him? He keeps asking for cookies and I can't keep giving him cookies. And mm-hmm. he keeps turning to monster trying to kill him. And mm-hmm. I thought, okay, that's funny. I mean, yeah, I mean, it's it's kind of it's kind of weird, but I think, you know, it's kind of a huge departure from the first movie, but I think... I think if we see more of it, we'll we'll um, you know I'll, I'll um, it'll it'll I'll, we'll, we'll, I'll warm up to it because because right now I'm kind of mixed quite honestly. Yeah. Because there's stuff I like and some stuff I don't like. I mean I kind of don't like. I kind of I hope to God that that Bob or, or Odenkirk's character isn't the villain. That'd be way too fucking yeah. obvious. I hope to God he's not the villain. Yeah, I, I was watching the trailer. And I thought, oh my god, he's going to be the villain, isn't he? When I was watching the trailer again, it's the guy from who Better Call Soul guy, and I'm just like, please don't, because if it is, it's like the most obvious thing. And I, I, I mean, I not to spoil Coco, but again, Coco got one of the most obvious twists in. It's one of the most obvious twists that you can kind of see coming a mile away, you know. And they did it. They did the obvious twist. And I hope, hope for God, with the Incredibles, they don't do the obvious twist. You know? Oh, you mean um, what was it? The Monsters Inc. twist, where oh, you know, you thought the you thought their boss was kind-hearted. Nope, but he's secretly evil. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You, you know, I just hope they don't do do that twist because that's the one thing. Again, from from what I'm saying, from from Monsters Inc., I'm like. Um, going with Monster Inc. So, fantastic film, but that's the obvious twist. And then the same with Coco, with its obvious twist, you know. And I'm just like, I, I saw that coming from a mile away. Yeah, I, I know it's it, the film's fantastic, but there's sometimes it's like be a little bit more creative with it, you, you know. Turn the twist upside down on its head, or do the polar opposite to it, you know. Have I mean, someone else. Let's, ju- let's just say for those who haven't seen it, it, think of the most obvious writing twist you can think of. And it'll probably be in Coco, because it is in yeah. Coco. <laughs> Which is the sad part. That's probably the weakest part of Coco, even though that film is, is fantastically well made. Oh, you mean this character who is a nice guy turns out isn't such a nice guy? Who would have guessed? Yes, exactly. <laughs> you, you know, and they did it in, um, I think the only time when it actually worked, I felt that they, they did it and managed to pull it off was in... Um, Zootopia, you know, with um, with what's her name? Uh, Belly, Bell, Bellwether. Yeah, I think that's the, one of the few times I think they did it. And yeah, I mean, did it but but well. you can forgive that because it kind of served the plot and it was exactly. a mystery. Yeah, know, exactly. And it kind of made sense in exactly. con- in the context of things. It yeah, wasn't. It was. It wasn't because this is my problem with Coco. It just. It's one of those things where it was kind of like, oh, we need a twist and we need a bad guy right now. It's it, one of those films that didn't need a bad guy, to be honest. Kind of didn't need a bad guy. It just kind of, it, it should have just been like about a kid who was stuck in the land of the dead and just wanted to go back home. You did not need minor spoilers. You did not need a fucking villain trying to um, keep him there. Yeah. And the, the same with um, the other Pixar film, which I thought is a huge culprit for this, is uh, Wally. 
You know, oh, the, God, the, I forgot the, about the, that. <laughs> the whole entire preferred act or Wally goes against what the whole entire theme of Wally was. Because when you speak to people of that film, people will tell you they love the first two acts of that film. And when they get into the final act, a lot of people don't like it. <laughs> yeah, you because know? the first two acts are f- fucking beautiful because they told the story without any dialogue whatsoever. Yeah, and then when they did use dialogue, it was only like a beep blooper and then Wally sort of thing, you know, and, and that's it. Yeah, and then you get to that fucking third act on that spaceship and it just goes to shit. And you're like, what am I watching? <laughs> Here's random social commentary because why? Money. And it just turns out, oh, humanity didn't get lazy because um because we let ourselves get lazy. No, we we got lazy because we were manipulated by computer. Of course, <laughs> of fucking course. <laughs> but but going to, going back to the Incredibles, I think what what made that movie work was the fact that they didn't show off Syndrome in any of the in any of the promotional material. And that's exactly. when, and that's when you saw the movie and actually saw his character and how fucking well he was in in that movie and how fucking great of a villain he was. He's like my, he's kind of up there as as one of my top favorite Disney villains of all time because of so how well he's written and how just goddamn irredeemable he is as a character. Oh God. Uh- my favorite line from him was basically when he, when he saw Elastigirl and Mr. Incredible and then he saw two kids in the same outfits and he was like, ooh, someone's been busy. And I'm like, oh my God. I think my favorite part is like when he's like talking, when, when Mr. Incredible tricks him into talking, he's like, you sly dog, you got me monologuing. <laughs> oh, and the thing I love about that setup of that joke was the fact that him and Frozone were talking about villains monologuing. Yep. <laughs> earlier on, I'm like, that's perfect. That was the perfect setup for that joke. It paid off. <laughs> and and I and I just love that. I think because because he works as a villain. I mean, because they they don't need a twist. You know, he's the villain. He's set up as the villain, and he works because you kind of realize that he's the you know a legit threat that only you know the Incredibles can stop because. Bob is the only one who they they're the only ones that are aware of his plan, and when he tries to put his plan into action, I think what the the example of great um great writing is he tries to put his plan into action, and then you know the thing goes haywire and it and it ends up backfiring on him, and then when he loses it all, he just goes fucking insane and just tries to kidnap their kids, and it's yeah. like holy shit, <laughs> and then karma hits him when. Again, another great setup for the joke was basically when Mr. Incredible asked Irma, um, can you get me a suit with a cape? And she said, no capes. And then he has a cape, boom, right into the airplane jet. And I like the fact that if you, and, and going back to, again, I, I don't want to, I don't want to sound like a fucking fanboy, but I kind of am of the of the Incredibles, but, but like, I, I love his design because it's not a it's not a clip on cape it's it's part of the suit yeah and that makes sense because he's the exact opposite design wise to mr incredible who's just wearing spandex and nothing else yeah and yeah, syndrome is wearing like spandex with a cape and and he has like a uh, remote on his on his wrist yeah that's showing he is more technologically advanced and and much more and he's still wearing a cape 
when back when he was Buddy, because if you yeah. remember in the opening sequence, he was wearing the cape as Buddy. Yeah. How how would you feel about them bringing Syndrome back? Oh, they're not going to bring him back. I don't think they will, but it's one of those irking things when you're like, will will they do it? Will they touch it? Would they dare to touch it? I don't think they will. Because yeah. knowing Brad Bird, I don't, I don't think he's the kind of guy who ever repeats himself. Because this is like his first sequel. Yeah. And it's kind of like, I, I don't think he's the kind of guy who will repeat himself. I don't think he's the kind of guy who will go into any project if he does not know what he wants to do with said project. Yeah, I can see that. Because if you look but at just... like, because if, if you look at stuff like the Iron Giant and 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 the Incredibles, like he did not go into those projects like empty-handed. Like he went in knowing what, he, having a clear idea of what he wanted to do with those projects and what type of story he wanted to tell with each movie. Yeah, again, Iron Giant. For those who've never seen it, you should see it. It's arguably one of the best animated films of all time, for good reasons. And it just kind of came out at a bad time, quite honestly. <laughs> well, it was all in the decline of 2D animation, unfortunately. And, um, yeah, that stuff was the problem. It was on the decline of 2D animation, sadly. And, yeah. And plus, like, I, I, people didn't know what, what type of movie it was. Was it a kid's movie? Was it an adult movie? What? You know, because it was all over the place. And, and I think yeah. I think it was kind of one of those movies that, ironically... Everyone who who saw it back then knew that like okay it's it's it it um it's not it didn't do as well now but I think um they said even back then in reviews that they they said like give it a couple of years and this will be considered a classic and it is now yeah. considered a classic and yeah, we've already got fucking Spielberg bastard he's gonna bastardize it in fucking Ready Player One so there you go yeah sad truth um. I mean, I, I mean, I'm curious to see how. Um, I mean, I, I'm curious to see how Incredibles is going to do. I'm, I'm really fascinating on they coming back to the property, and also I'm kind of glad that they waited this long now to do it because look how big superhero films are now in the media and stuff like that. It you can't go anywhere without seeing a superhero film now. So I'm curious to see how they're going to incorporate that media buzz of superhero films now and how how big superheroes have become in the mainstream culture yeah i mean because it changed because back back in 2004 we didn't really get a lot of superhero movies they were still like All experimental right. uh, I, I mean back then the only successful movie successful well the only two successful superhero franchise were spider-man and x-men and that was it yeah and then you can argue blade but yeah that's it I mean, it wasn't until like a year later in 2005 that we get Batman Begins, when Batman Begins kind of changed the whole, set things into motion of what superhero movies would become. Going yeah, forward. and then, yeah, and then you had, yeah, you had Batman Begins, and then you had The Dark Knight that came out, and then Iron Man came out right about the so same time, so on, you know. and it blew up essentially around that point. Yeah, yeah. No, and now it's like you can't, you can't, you can't go on a year without a superhero movie coming out, and it's just like. <laughs> it is what it is, you know. <laughs> yeah. So I'm curious to see the social commentary on that because that what what the Incredibles did well in the last film was the social commentary on like superheroes and stuff like that. I'm really curious to see if they're going to play up on that. And knowing Brad Brad Bird, he's very good at social commentary on stuff, and I'm really fascinated to see what 
what his view of social commentary or superhero film is going to be. Because there haven't been many films that actually touch on the social commentary of superhero film. The only one that comes to mind, really, is um, Birdman. That really touched upon it. Oh, God. That, that's a... Oh, boy. <laughs> and again, Birdman was an interesting social commentary on superhero films and on media in that sort of genre. It was it was a it was a well. I I I don't want to get into get into that because I'll be here all day talking about fucking existential themes and films. Yes. <laughs> no, 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 yeah, that's fair enough. But uh, it's, just, it's just something I'm quite fascinated with. I'm curious to see how it's going to be tackled and how it's going to be approached. I mean, and I know a lot of people are complaining about Elastigirl's new gray outfit, and I'm like, I'm the only one who who just went up and said, that's the fucking point. It's supposed to look bland and generic because she's part yeah. of a corporate product and she needs to look as inoffensive as possible, and that's why it's all gray and red. Yeah, you know? <laughs> and that's the reason why. And if you notice as well, it's like an updated version of her original Elastigirl outfit that you saw at the very, very beginning of the film, but just modernized. Yep. So basically, he said, "Oh yeah, everyone knows her wearing that outfit. Let's put her in that outfit. Everyone's going to recognize that outfit." I mean, that's kind of the point. It's uh, I know a lot of people were just like complaining, "Oh, it looks awful," blah blah blah. And I'm kind of like, "That's kind of the point. It's supposed to look awful on purpose." Yeah, because you know she's going to have that heroic moment when she puts on the classic incredible outfit at some point later on in the film. Yep. Because it is going to be that moment when Bob, I can imagine Bob basically just loses his temper. He's like, I can't do this anymore. Why? Da, 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 sort of thing. And then she storms off sort of thing. And then basically she realizes, oh, no, it's the importance of a family and all that sort of stuff. And then she wears the red outfit like everyone does in the family does and so on, etc. There is going to be that moment. It's one of those key things that we kind of expect and should expect to happen in the film, you know? And hey, you know... If all else fails, they can just, you know, sell more. <laughs> I think I think we all know the real reason why she's wearing, you know, a um, silver outfit. Because they need to sell more toys. <laughs> oh, God, yeah. Oh, God, yeah. Oh, yeah, we, let's get Mr. Incredible in the blue outfit. Why? Because we can sell more toys. Let's have Mr. Incredible turn up in his classic outfit. Why? Because we need to sell more toys. But in in the main film that made that made sense as well because it, you know he's like he has no new costume so he just goes into his old costume and, and there's a real funny joke about him it, it not fitting because he put on a lot of weight yeah <laughs> and then getting stuck inside the capsule as well that's one of my funniest visual gags I I, I miss visual gags in film do you notice like not a lot of people do visual gags anymore it's kind of this sad. is this is the reason why I, uh, I like rewatching all episodes of Simpsons and also. Um, I like watching a lot of Charlie Booker stuff because when you watch all his stuff, there's tons of visual gags in the background. Oh, what a it for that matter! Oh God, yeah. <laughs> yeah, the um, the anime animation film, the guys behind it did done Wallace and Gromit and stuff like that. You watch any of their film? Oh my God, the visual humor in those films are fantastic. Oh, uh, Where Rabbit, ha- Where Rabbit has a lot of fucking visual go- jokes that you did you would not get in like one viewing. You have to watch it over and over again to get like some of the. Some of the background jokes. Yeah. One of my favorite ones, basically, when Wallace turns back in... Spoiler. When he turns back to normal from being the were-rabbit, and then he basically holding up a cardboard box to cover his privates, and basically says says on the label inside of it, may contain nuts. 
Oh, I, I love the joke yeah. where she's talking about her fucking produce and, t- and holding two giant melons. Yeah. <laughs> and was it, in, in the early man in the trailer, basically, they said, oh, yeah, we need, yeah, we need to cross over the several crossing. Literally, it is a skin rug several crossing. And I'm like, okay. <laughs> you know, stuff like that. And it, it, I miss that sort of stuff in mainstream comedies, you know, very subtle stuff. Yeah, I mean, because visual, not a lot of people do visual gags anymore, which is kind of a shame. Because I think visual gags are, 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 are much more, much more funnier. I mean, I wouldn't say funnier, but I would say like, we've we've become accustomed to like, um, you know, spoken humor that we kind of forgot what physical gags are, which is kind of sad when you really think about it. Yeah, I mean, Pixar are not bad at doing visual gags, but again, in the more recent stuff, they haven't really done a lot of visual gags, and hopefully. Incredibles was very, very good at doing visual gags, so hopefully they will do those visual gags in the Incredible films. Hopefully. Oh, I, oh, I love the I love the part where she sneaks in and, and gets stuck, you know, <laughs> in, yeah. in in the um in the doorway. <laughs> She's trying to reach. In. Oh, cool. yes, I know what you're talking about. <laughs> that was hilarious. That again, like stuff like that, little details like that. We just you, you, we keep missing that. You know, that's kind of the stuff we miss. I miss in, in modern movies where it's like we don't do visual gags anymore, and that's kind of a shame. Yeah, it seemed to be – it doesn't seem to be in the norm anymore. It's literally people who like – they don't want to take the risk of doing a visual gag. But the, the problem – I think the one problem people don't like taking the risk with visual gags because basically if they do a visual gag and people don't find it funny, they will fucking remember it. That, that That's the sad truth about visual gags. Because if you do a bad visual gag, people will remember the bad visual gag. Oh, you mean like uh, Hulk's ass and Thor Ragnarok? That was oh, lovely. God. Yeah. <laughs> that was lovely. Yeah. A visual gag I really wanted to forget, and you just reminded me of it. Thanks. Because <laughs> I saw it yesterday, and I'm like, yep, that's Hulk's ass, all right. <laughs> yeah. Good old Hulk. Uh and but but no, I think you know it. it I mean, visual gags like all depend on like execution. I mean, if it's executed great, like you know the first Incredibles, it's great. If it's inc- executed poorly, like in Thor Ragnarok, it it's executed poorly. You know, it's 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 like any form of any form of comedy. Execution is key. Yeah. So you know, I'm I'm kind of hyped for Incredibles too. So hoping to see more trailers and uh, yeah, that's pretty much it. Yeah. Yeah, my fiance keeps saying to me every single time we see a trailer for it, we see something about it. She's like, keeps saying to me, "We gotta go see it. We gotta go see it. We gotta go and see it." But yeah, like I said, can't wait to see it. I, I think my only complaint is uh, some of the voices sound a little older, but I kind of have to get used to that. Yeah, I think it's just one of those things you just kind of have to get used to. And unfortunately, they are going to sound different because again, it'd be kind of weird having Dash basically get his original voice actor and then Mister Incredible, someone, or someone says. Oh my god, Dash, your voice has dropped. I, wait, I know, it's almost like we've been waiting for 15 years or something. I think the problem, I mean, it's not It's not Dash. It's like the new voice actor for Dash, you know, sounds similar to the old one. So I, I have no problem with him and Violet still sounds the same. It's just Helen and, and Frozone sounded off. Well, again, Samuel Jackson aged quite considering 15 years to be precise. Yeah, and he's I not know, I know. And, it, and like I said in the previous podcast, his voice must sound fucking hoarse because he yells a lot <laughs> in, in his movies. Yeah. Oh my god! It, 
I, I, I wonder out of curiosity if he ever had a moment when he slipped when because let's be honest in a lot of Samuel Jackson stuff he swears a fucking lot I wonder if it, any takes when he does like kids film and when he has to swear he ever slipped and actually dropped like an F-bomb or something like that on one occasion in any of those recordings I'm pretty sure he has I'm pretty sure it's, oh, I'm really curious for anyone anyone listen to this and you get a chance to interview Samuel Jackson high unlikely but if you do please ask that question I really want to know because <laughs> uh, yeah he's, he's just one of those guys and I think you know it's just something I have to get used to like I mean maybe when I watch the final movie it'll sound better but you know hearing it hearing them again after watching the movie, after watching like Incredibles like recently, and then hearing them now, it's like, oh man, yeah. <laughs> difference is night and day. <laughs> yeah. I mean, because I mean, I think Samuel Jackson actually voiced more stuff, kid stuff wise, than um, than some big name actors out there. It's like, have you ever heard the story about Morgan Freeman? The reason why they took him so long to actually voice something in an animated film? Why? He's and I quote, because the first thing he ever did was the Lego movie, voiceover wife for a kid's film, and he said, he went, no one never bothered to ask me. <laughs> he said he always wanted to do it, but no one never asked him. I mean, he's, yeah, and he's it's kind of funny because he's he's an actor known for his voice. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> you just think, you just sit there, you're just like, yeah, why, why, why no one ever ask him? Because no one ever asked me. <laughs> I can imagine. I can imagine when when it approached because because um, he basically I, th- I think Morgan Freeman said, "Oh, I don't know. Maybe they were afraid that I might be cost too much money to do the role or something like that." You know. But again, I always wanted to be in a do a kids film. You know. So maybe down the future we might actually get him doing more stuff. But who knows? But again, like getting back to Samuel Jackson. Um, yeah, he did sound very different, and Dash sound very different as well. But um, again, it's it's going to be that fine tuning of adjustment. But I don't think it will be a big problem personally. Yeah, I mean, they they sound older, but I think it's just something you gotta have, you gotta get used to. Yeah, I mean, it, it, I mean, same... I, I think that's the only two 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 people I have problems with, like Frozone and Helen. Otherwise, the other cast sounds great. You know, yeah, so, I don't know. It, I think I'm basically just going to wait until because again, this wasn't a full full trailer. This was like a, a preview trailer sort of thing they called or whatever they're calling it now nowadays. But I'm looking forward to it. I want to see it. I'm hoping that that that, that some of the takes weren't the the final takes, and then and some of them are like and the finished movie is a lot different because oh boy. <laughs> <laughs> that seems to be the norm now when it comes to these films. A lot, a lot of the trailers now we do see isn't like the unfinished um, versions. Because um, Samuel L. Jackson sounded stiff as fuck when he was like explaining, "I know this guy, and um, he he has a thing for supers." It just sounded so stiff. Yeah. Again, we we don't know how how much um, Samuel Jackson is going to be in this film. That's the thing we don't know. So I would laugh my ass off if he wasn't in it. Uh, and in a lot because he was one of the people petitioning to try to get a sequel made. Oh god, yeah, he, yeah, he always wanted to do a sequel to this film. Again, you just again his finest moment in the film is the bit when the robot does syndrome's robot does start tactics the city, and 
he's trying to find his super suit. Honey, where is my super right. suit? He's like, the greater good needs me. He's like, I am your greater good. You tell me what my suit is, woman. <laughs> I was like, oh my god, this is such a situation. I can't imagine happening as well. And and hands down, to this day, I think it's on the commentary. Brad Bird says it, on, I think, on the commentary on, on the DVD. He says, this, this, this scene is like, gets always gets the biggest laugh and you kind of see why <laughs> it is amazing it's if you haven't seen the film go and watch it that scene alone is oh, just God, shame priceless on you. shame on you if you have not seen a 15 year old movie <laughs> i know but it is one of the best scenes and it is one of the most funniest moments in the film it's just like it's just the contrast of that there's a giant robot attacking the city this guy has superpower can can help to stop this robot and he can't find his suit to do it. <laughs> and his and his wife is basically saying, "No, I'm not going to give you a suit because I am your greater good." <laughs> yeah, genius, very genius. Yeah, I really love The Incredibles. It's one of my favorite Pixar movies. It's probably like my, yeah, probably my favorite Pixar movie. I think yeah, about I would, it. I would agree with that. Yeah. I mean, it does have its a few pacing issues here and there, but overall, I think it's the best Pixar movie story-wise. And I'm hoping, I'm hope I know The Incredibles two isn't going to be as good, but I'm hoping it at least be entertaining. Yeah. Oh god, I just remember that I'm a visual gang in that film. You remember the bit with the giant, um, with the lava wall and stuff like that, and um, he wants to get through the lava wall, and he picks up the giant statue and he's trying to ram it through, and then suddenly it starts opening, and he starts like. Tinkling with it, he's trying to put it back up and hold it in the grand position. I oh thought, God! That, yeah, it's very—it's like no words are spoken during that whole sequence. I island situation. Oh my God! Don't work. So yeah, I've got to watch that film. Go! I really want to. I'm probably, I might watch the film after the podcast actually now. Um. Well, I mean, if if you want to watch it, um, I would suggest watching it on HD because it looks fantastic in HD. Yeah, it's aged well. Yeah, <laughs> and I, I and I love the whole sequence of the um, these um, serial um, news reels at the very start of the film when they do oh, the, the, the press. You should watch that again because the sound mixing in that is fucking phenomenal. It sounds yeah. just like the old news reels. Yeah, so they're amazing. There's a very good social commentary in those as well, from what I remember. I just I just love the fact that it starts out with that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like that's the first thing you see. It's just them introducing these characters in the best way possible where it's just like is this thing on? Uh yeah. testing. One, two, one, two, is this on? Yeah, we're recording. No, no, I I, I think that something's wrong with my mic. No, it's it's fine. No, are you sure? <laughs> Genius. Cause it just it's just it just sums up like how it's- the the tone of the movie and, and the the gags um of, of the movie and and whatnot <laughs> exactly if you haven't worked out already we we are, we're huge fans of the film and we're glad that we're finally getting a sequel I know <laughs> God I was fifteen when this film came out <laughs> I was fourteen damn I was fourteen I was yeah yeah fourteen two thousand four yeah fourteen years old. Oh no, I was fourteen. Now. Yeah, to fourteen, twenty. God, yeah. Sometimes, sometimes. 
I mean, I'm, 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 I, well, I, I kind of want to ask you this, but uh, before we go, um, what do you, what, what do you think of Ratatouille personally? Ratatouille, um, it's an enjoyable, charming film. Because that's another Brad Bird movie that I think is yeah. very it underrated. Has, very underrated, I think. It's it's a film that has a lot of charm. It's not one of my favorite films, um, Pixar films, but it has a lot of charm to it. And one of my it has one of my favorite sequences in in a Pixar film. It's the bit when um, the critic comes to the restaurant and then when he eats the food and you, he has like this mental flashback to when he was a kid and his mum makes the ratatouille just like how his mum used to make it and the whole visual stuff when it go back and he's, like he's transported back as a kid and he's like back home and his mum's making the ratatouille and stuff. I thought that was really good. And then when he does finally see the chef, he basically, his expression just summed it up. And then what he says at the end, I thought it was very clever, you know, like he and spoke the truth, was... but he lost his job. And that was, and he was voiced by Peter O'Toole. Yeah. From Lawrence, of, from Lawrence of Arabia fame. <laughs> yeah. And he did a fantastic job delivering that line. Yeah, that was a great monologue. That's the thing most people remember from that movie is just, you know, the power of criticism and what it can and can't do to a person. Yeah. And, and I mean, I really liked that moment in the film. I think it was one of the best. That, that that's, that's, that's what I'm getting at. It's one of the best moments in the film. And I think it was one of the most cleverest. And then what I mean by charm, it has the characters have a lot of charm, and I think the relationship between um, the guy and the girl in it, and then with um, with with the rats and his family and stuff like that, and then how funny was it? You see tons and tons of rats in the kitchen making food, you know. And was it? Have you ever seen the parody of it when they dubbed over Gordon Ramsay's lines to oh, the rat in the God, kitchen? Oh God, yes, tells... it's so amazing. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, it, it's fuck you, you fat, useless tab of suck, uh, fat t- Yankee doodle dog shite. Yeah, yeah, you, you know it's stuff like that. It, it's a film that has a lot of charm, and 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 I think it's very highly regarded within within the Pixar world. You know, Pig's sake, I know was that they made a Ratatouille animatronic at one of their Disney restaurants that came out and actually greeted guests sometimes. So. It did hold a promising, and um, I think it's a film with a lot of charm and a lot of um, a very creative moment at the at the end with the critic. You know, that that's my personal opinion on it. Because I like it, but I wouldn't like rate it really high as as Pixar movies go. No, no, I wouldn't rate it high. But I, if you have to tell me, what do you like? Do you like this newer Pixar film or Ratatouille? I will go with Ratatouille. I mean, it's better than Cars Three. Cars Three is a piece of shit. <laughs> Car Free, I'm, I, I can't believe I'm saying this. Car Free, I enjoyed because it, what cars should have been, if you know what I mean, first around, first time around. It felt, it felt like one of these films that Cars 1 met, missed the mark. Cars 2, I don't even know what they were on when they made that. Oh, it, you mean, you mean a, it was just a giant fucking Larry the Cable Guy blowjob? Yeah. And, <laughs> um, and then, and then Cars 3, when you watch it, I understand what they were going for. I understand the story behind it, and I like the callbacks to it. And I thought it was a very nice tribute to an actor that passed away as well. Oh, you Paul know, Newman. And, Yeah, Paul Newman. I thought they'd done, done a fantastic job honoring that character and the actor that played the character, you know. Did you ever heard the story about all the lines they had for him in that film? 
were all stuff. He was just talking about cars in between takes, and they were recording him doing them. Yeah, because he was a huge um, auto, auto, auto mechanic. Uh, yeah, and I thought that was very nice tribute, the way they did it. And give cars how much grief you want, but I thought that was a very well-done moment in, in that franchise. I mean, it's it's the best out of the Cars ones, but, like, if you, if you, you know, releasing it before Coco, it's just like, why? <laughs> yeah. Well, the thing was, I remember reading an article, because Cars 3, if Cars 3 wasn't done, we would have got Incredibles instead, instead <sighs> of Cars 3. And that's the thing that really annoys me about <laughs> Cars 3, but... It, it is what it is, unfortunately. Um, but again, Cars not the Cars Three is not the most terrible film. But again, Coco is the much I mean, better. Film. Cars Two is still their worst movie that they've made. I would say Cars Two is probably the worst film they've ever made. Yeah, <laughs> Cars Two is the worst film they've ever made. It, it's hands down the. It give you an idea. I think Cars Two is one of the only exceptions. Only Pixar film I can think of that's never been nominated for an Oscar. That's how much people hated it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's one of the it's it's weird. Cars, Cars is like the one exception that people always make. Always say if you say to people what is the worst Pixar film, they will normally tell you they will say a Cars film. And ev- ev- critics are like, will all universally agree on? Yeah, Cars suck. Because it's just, it's just, it's one of those things that only became a franchise because it sold well on toys. Yeah, exactly. And the second movie is nothing but just one giant toy commercial. And then Disney did its own um, spin-off franchise of it, Planes. <laughs> Starring Dane Cook. <laughs> derpy, derpy, derp. And, and they didn't just make one, they made two Planes movies. And they had the goal. They made a second one? Yeah, they had the goal to, to, to dedicate the second one to the men and women who are firefighters and and rescue workers. And I'm like, why? That's God, almost as bad why? as dedicating, dedicating the, um, John Cena playing the, to the Marines. <laughs> you know? Or Miz playing the Marine. Oh, God. <laughs> Do you know that originally Randy Orton was a pro- was supposed to play the oh, main yeah. role in the Marine film? Yeah, yeah, and uh, he, they did. Actual Marines complained because he actually went AWOL, and they're like, "Yeah, no, you will not He's let this. Only... You will not yeah. let this man play a Marine." Yeah, he um, was dishonorably discharged because he went AWOL, yep. and he was AWOL for quite a while, actually, for a long time. Uh anyway, um, that's pretty much it. So thanks for listening. We'll see you all later. Bye-bye. Bye.